You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome to the Bonfire Podcast. I am so glad that you are joining us for yet another episode. If you are a first-time listener and you're just now stumbling on to Bonfire Ministries Podcast and you're wondering, what is this podcast all about? Well, let me be the first to tell you that Bonfire Ministries is a Bible study, Bible conversation podcast where we open God's holy word, we study, we dig in deep and try to learn uh, from his word and find application to daily living. We call ourselves Bonfire Ministries because Jeremiah 20 verse 9 says, I got a fire shut up in my bones. And uh, oftentimes that's the way that I feel is that I've got a fire shut up in my bones and I just want to tell as many people as I can about the good news of Jesus Christ and his holy word. And so thank you for listening. Uh, let's jump into our study today. For the last several episodes, we've been in a study entitled Living Faith. And this is a study through the book of James. Now, I love the book of James because the book of James is full of practical knowledge and practical things that we can apply to everyday living. And uh, I've mentioned that multiple times uh, in this study, and that's why I enjoy it. And today, we're going to see that James addresses another practical, uh, applicational uh, thing that we need to take a look at and apply to our daily living. We're going to be looking today, James is going to talk to us through the scripture about partiality. And so we're going to be looking at the relationship between living faith and partiality. Now we're going to be um, over in chapter two of James and the, the first few episodes, we've now finished chapter one. And so if you missed any of those, I would encourage you to go back, take a look at those episodes, give those a listen. And uh, and I think you'll find those to be beneficial. And, and we're just going to continue right along today. Today, we'll be looking again, chapter two, we're going to be going uh, verses one through 13. And again, focused in on partiality. And Today, we've got kind of three points that we're going to look at around these verses. First, we're going to see the rebuke of partiality, uh, the result of partiality, and then lastly, the remembrance of the law of liberty, remembrance of the law of liberty. So that's the three things that we're going to work through as we study God's Word together. If you got your Bible, go ahead and turn with me, James chapter 2. We're going to start reading at verse 1 and read verses 1 through 4 here. So let's read that together. It says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, there should also come in a man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing fine clothes, and say to him, You sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, You stand there or sit here in my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges? with evil thoughts. Again, that's verses one through four. First, again, I want you to see James here has a rebuke for partiality. Now, notice James starts these verses and he uses the term, uh, my brethren. And I've noticed that anytime that James uses that term, my brethren, uh, when he does that, he is about to point something out that his readers need to change in their lives. And so James issues a bold statement. He says, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality. 
So apparently, what happened is that these Jewish Christians, remember James is writing to the dispersed tribes of Israel uh, that are scattered abroad. Uh, these are, are, are Jewish by, um, by upbringing and by, by ethnicity, but they're Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, and they had been given in to inconsistent treatment based on the appearance and the status of people, instead of accepting people based on their faith in Jesus Christ. James gives his reader a concrete example of what they were doing. They were revering the the rich uh, while despising the poor, which is the exact opposite of what Jesus called us to do. By rebuking partiality, James denounces all forms of prejudice, snobbery, classism, and lack of respect for people that may be different in us than us in any way. Such conduct dishonors God. And James says in verse 4, it allows evil to enter into us. You know, it's sad to say, but often this same mistake is still happening in in churches today. Oftentimes when a, a visitor comes into our churches today, the tendency is to judge them on what we see outwardly rather than what we see inwardly. I think you've all experienced it. If you've been in a church, someone new comes in, and uh, maybe they, they are not uh, dressed as nice as maybe some of the other people are, or maybe they look a little rough around the edges, and the tendency is to judge them. But the fact of the matter is that dress, color, skin, fashion, or any other superficial attribute should never carry more weight than the fruit of the Spirit that may be manifest in the lives of these individuals. It's important that we look at individuals the same, regardless of their stature from a social status, their their wealth, uh, whatever it may be. We should treat people equally. You know, this uh, doesn't just happen in church. And, and in fact, uh, James doesn't necessarily mention that this was was happening in church. He was just writing to these Christians. And uh, and so I want to share a story with you that happened to me one time uh, when I had my own uh, kind of version of James chapter two happening in my life. And many of you know that I, I work in healthcare. And prior to the, the job that I have now, I worked uh, in, in hospitals. And in one of the hospitals that I worked at, um, I had a, a janitor. Uh, his name was Tommy, and uh, Tommy was one of the, the just the most finest people that you'd want to to meet. Um, but after I got to know Tommy, it didn't take long to understand that you know Tommy was maybe a little simple minded, and uh, and and Tommy though he was a hard worker. And so Tommy would come in every morning and he would uh, empty the trash uh, bin that was there in my office. And, you know, I'd watch Tommy as he goes around into different people's offices. And many times, you know, they would just ignore Tommy altogether and uh, or sometimes almost be rude to Tommy. And so I I made it an effort that every morning uh, that I was going to stop what I was doing. Uh, take my hands off the keyboard, turn my attention from my computer screen, and I was going to just take a moment to talk to Tommy because he always wanted to talk. Uh, he always, you know, didn't want to uh, carry on long conversation, but he always wanted to come in and he would say, good morning, I hope you're doing okay. And so I, I just said, well, I'm going to take the time and I'm going to talk to Tommy when he comes in uh, each morning. And so I, I did that. I I would, uh, as soon as I heard him open the door, you know, I'd, I'd turn around and say, good morning, Tommy. 
I hope you're doing well. And we'd carry on just a brief conversation as, as he was emptying the trash. And again, I said Tommy was a hard worker. Let me tell you guys, I don't think you can find a harder worker than Tommy. Um, uh, Tommy was always busy. Uh, Tommy would run circles around most people in, in the amount of work that he would do. And the one thing that I remember vividly about Tommy is Tommy was always moving quickly. And uh, he would roll these large kind of dumpster carts down the hallway, and you could hear Tommy coming from a mile away because he had that thing humming as he was coming down the hallways, and he'd about take you out um, if, if you were not paying attention as he came around the corners because he was busy and he was working hard. And in one of our conversations that I had with Tommy uh, one morning, he, he would explain to me what he does. And he says, you know, I get here real early in the morning. He explained that he would get there around uh, 6 o'clock, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And his first responsibility every morning, I was shocked by this, was to go to the parking space. Uh, catch this now. He would go to the, the literal parking space where the CEO of the hospital would park. And he would clean the parking space. And then he would follow the path from that parking space and, and along the sidewalks and all the way to the door that went into the, the administration office there. And he would make sure that there was no trash on the sidewalk and make sure everything was clean. And he said, he, I even clean every door that the CEO touches before he uh, you know, gets here every morning. I clean every door all the way to his office. And I said, Tommy, you do that every morning? He said, yes, sir, I do that every morning. And I was just amazed by that. Well, uh, w- one day, sometime later, um, the CEO was scheduled to come down to, to my department. I worked in, in, in the pharmacy, and uh, so the CEO was coming to talk to me about the pharmacy I ran and, and talk, of course, budget and all kinds of different things and just kind of take a little tour around. Well, on that particular day, the CEO showed up at the same time that Tommy was working there in my area. And Tommy didn't take care of just my trash, but he, he took care of the whole pharmacy area. And so Tommy was sweeping and I believe mopping on this particular day day. And uh, as he's sitting there doing his work, Tommy recognizes that here comes the CEO. And and it was almost like a, a person in the, the army or the military standing at attention. He stood straight with his, his mopper's brim in his hand. And he said, good morning to the, the CEO. And let me tell you, folks, the CEO didn't even give him the time of day. He almost walked right over the man. And what made it worse is the CEO trampled right through the, the little pile of dust and, and, and debris that Tommy was working on sweeping up and just scattered the work that he had been doing. And uh, the CEO obviously recognized me and was talking to me, but didn't give Tommy the time of day. And so I just it hit me at that moment. I was like, you know what, I need to I need to do something to remedy this. And so as I was talking to the CEO, I, I said, well, hold on just one second. And I said, hey, Tommy, come over here. And I asked the CEO, I said, CEO, do, do you know Tommy? And he said, well, I've seen him around. And I said, well, I, wanted, I want you to, to know something about Tommy. And I said, one, Tommy is the best worker that we've got. He, he works so hard and he's faithful every day to come in and, and he's always got a smile on his face and he's always willing to serve. And I said, here's something else that you don't know is that every morning Tommy gets here and he cleans your parking space and he he cleans the sidewalk that you walk on and he cleans every door going all the way to your office. Did you know that Tommy does that every morning for you? And the CEO was a little bit shocked uh, and he, he didn't know. And so uh, they exchanged a few pleasantries. The CEO thanked Tommy for uh, his work there. And then Tommy went on about his way. And and I, I kind of finished uh, talking to the CEO, doing the rest of what I had to do. 
And uh, after that that instance was over and the CEO left, one of my staff members came up to me and and said, I saw what you did there. And so I just kind of played dumb and I said, well, what, what are you talking about? And uh, they said, you you brought Tommy over to meet the CEO and you I wish I had a picture of it because there was probably the highest paid person on salary, the CEO of the hospital, and the lowest paid person on a salary, Tommy sitting there carrying on a conversation together. And I just find that amazing. And I took that as a quick teachable moment and I just mentioned to that technician as a pharmacy technician. And I said, well, remember, God sees us all equal. There's no difference between the CEO and, and Tommy, and I just try to do the same. And I, I tell you that story not to, to be boastful or to, uh, to, to kind of pat myself on the back, but just to give an example of how it's so easy in, in, our, in our world and the way that our society is structured to show partiality, the same partiality that James was speaking out against. And, and we must be very careful and, and remember that we should always look at every person through the eyes of Christ and remember that the ground is level at Calvary. I love that. There's an old, uh, well, I don't know if it's an old song, but there's a Southern gospel song that talks about the ground is level at Calvary, meaning that there's no one that's better than anyone else when it comes to Calvary. The amount of money that you have in your 401k or the amount of possessions that you have uh, doesn't matter. Your, your, Your clothes don't matter. The ground is level at Calvary. Jesus came for all. He died for all. His his goodness and his grace is for all. And and Jesus, he loved those who were lowly and oppressed and were poor. And so uh, we should look at everyone through Jesus's eyes. And, you know, that's a prayer that oftentimes I pray. I say, God, give me your eyes uh, for the world around me and give me your heart. Uh, because if I'm being honest, my old fleshly eyes and my old fleshly heart will find a tendency to fall into partiality. It's just human nature. And so we must seek God's will to give us his eyes and his heart so that we can see people around us in the way that God sees them. So that's the rebuke of partiality. James says, hey, don't be partial. Don't treat one person better than the other. And in this example, he gave the the, the concrete example of, of the rich versus poor. But James goes on to tell us about the result of partiality in verses 5 through 11. Let's look at our scripture again here and look at verses 5 through seven, five through seven. It says, listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those whom loved him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do the rich not oppress you and drag you into courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called. There's two things that we see that are going to happen as a result of partiality, and these verses cover the first one, and that's inconsistent conduct. In, in James, verses 5 through 7, he uses three questions to show the inconsistency of their conduct, and I would say, and our, of our conduct. You know, most people that God chooses to use are not affluent and powerful. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't use a rich person or that he hasn't used a rich person, because he certainly has. But many times, God chooses to use the unlikely person, the underdog, the person that society would consider to be useless. That's the person God chooses to use and to work through. And so when Christians reject the poor of the world in favor of the rich, they dishonor the very people whom God has singled out for special blessings in both this life and the next. All throughout Scripture, we see that the poor, the meek, the lowly, 
are precious in the sight of the Lord. I want us to consider, if we flip over to 1 Corinthians, and, uh, and it's kind of some parallel text here uh, that, that I think speaks to, to this in, in some regards. It's verse, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, and we'll just take this through uh, 29. It says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things that which are not to bring nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So again, here uh, we have uh, Paul writing in Corinthians uh, and talking about how God chooses to use uh, things that just doesn't seem to be what most people would pick, the meek, the lowly, the poor in this case. And again, all throughout Scripture, I could give verse after verse where Jesus talks about the poor, where the Scripture talks about the poor will be blessed. And so uh, here James is is telling us that uh, when you reject, again, the poor, the meek and the lowly, you're rejecting the very ones that are precious in the Lord's sight. James goes on to call out the kind of the crazy logic uh, that the people were displaying as they were ignoring poor but giving attention to those who typically belittle them and blaspheme the name of God. Look what he says there uh, in, in verse uh, 7. It says, sorry, verse 6. It says, But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? And so think about this. During this time, these, these rich and powerful folks that were coming into their midst, these were the same people that would uh, uh, drag them down and, and that would accuse them and take them to court and uh, would, would uh, sue them and uh, belittle them and then make fun of them for their beliefs and blaspheme the name of God. And, and so James says, why in the world... Are you giving attention to them when you have the lowly, the meek, the poor that are there? You should be giving them the same attention as you do those rich. The second result of partiality, James goes on to tell us, is a breach of God's law. Let's look at verses 8 through 11. So verse 8 says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You have done well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin, and you are convicted by the law as a transgressor. For whoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he said, do not commit adultery. Also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law here. So James uh, puts it fairly uh, clear um, and, and fairly blunt in verses 8 and 9. If you love your neighbor as yourself and you're following God as God commanded, but if you show partiality, you've sinned against God and you've broken his law. It, it, it says here in this verse, verse 8, it talks about the royal law, and I try to do some research into the royal law. You don't see that term mentioned, but only one time in the New Testament, and it's right there. And and that royal law that, that's being referenced there is, of course, when Jesus was questioned by one of the religious leaders of the time and, and said, hey, what's the greatest of commands? Jesus answered uh, that, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and I love your neighbor as yourself. And then they asked, well, who is my neighbor? 
Um, and Jesus then went on to tell the the story or the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so that's that royal law, and it's referred to maybe as the royal law because the king is the one who gave it, Jesus gave it. Um, but it's also uh, maybe referred to as the royal law because it is kind of the supreme law. It's the, the one that if you satisfy that, then you're really taking care of everything else. Um, if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, then the rest of the laws are basically going to fall in line. And so James says, if you're following that, you're doing well, you're doing as God command. But again, if you show partiality, you have sinned against God and you have broken his law. Now, some of you may say, well, it's not that bad of a sin. I didn't commit murder and I haven't committed adultery. Well, then James has something for you uh, as he goes on to explain of how the law is an all or nothing type law and breaking just one portion of the law. We become a transgressor of the whole law. What's interesting here is God doesn't grade on a curve. God's standard is perfection. Now, I, I talked about this uh, this past Sunday. I had the opportunity to speak at my church uh, and to fill in. And uh, I, I talked in that message about how there's this tendency to put sin on a scale. And the Jewish uh, people at that time, the Jewish Christians, were doing the same thing. They, there was this mindset that there were small sins and little sins. James reminds them that the way that the law works is if you break one part of it, you've broke the whole thing, and that there is not big sins and little sins, that God is holy and perfect, and he expects perfection. But James doesn't stop there. He then goes into our final point here, and that was remembrance of the law of liberty, because no longer are we under uh, that law of where uh, complete perfection is required, because thankfully Jesus has come, and there's now the law of liberty that we're going to see. So let's look at verses 12 through uh, 13 here. Verse 12 says, So speak, And so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, again, this law of liberty is referring to the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus came and he was his death, his burial and his resurrection. Um, Because of that, we now live under a new system of mercy and grace. That's the law of liberty. And as benefactors of the law of liberty and the system of grace and mercy, we should be showing grace and mercy to others. James reminds us that Judgment will be merciless for those who have never shown any mercy. The ones that have shown no mercy, those are the ones whose lives are characterized by partiality, hardness, selfishness, lack of concern for others, in short, lovelessness. They are far from loving others as themselves and reflecting nothing of God's love and care for those around them who were in need. And so James gives this kind of last appeal here to say, hey, hey, remember, uh, we're no longer under uh, that law. We're under a new law, that law of grace and mercy. And uh, because we're under that law of grace and mercy, we need to also, as benefactors, extend grace and mercy to the people around us. And that means that we treat them equally and that we, we give each person uh, the, the, the time and the attention that they deserve as, as a human. And so I just think this is a great lesson for us to think about today. As I gave the example, this is something that we still approach today in our churches and even in our, our personal and professional lives. There's the opportunity to have 
uh, partiality. And I would just encourage you uh, today as you're listening and, and reading and studying God's Word to think about partiality in your life. And have you been partial? Uh, have you shown favoritism uh, to a certain person or a certain class of people or maybe a certain uh, group of people with a certain skin color? All of that is against God's will. Uh, he wants us to look at everyone, as I said earlier, through the eyes of Jesus and seeing everyone as, as, as a human being and as someone that's capable of being saved. Uh, and so we should be looking for that opportunity uh, versus looking at the outside attributes. So I would encourage you just to, to take some time there, think about your personal experience with partiality. And if that's something that you've struggled with, uh, we'll take that to God in prayer and uh, ask him, if one, for forgiveness and then to help you to move forward. Um, I know that's something that uh, we all will continue to have to do as we move forward because, again, that can pop up from time to time. Well, I want to say thank you for listening today. That is uh, everything that I have for you. When we join back next time, we'll be continuing through Chapter 2, and we'll be getting into uh, Living Faith and talking about faith and works and the relationship there. I know that's a, going to be a special episode there because there's so many questions about faith and works and and you know what's required uh, to get into heaven. And so I'm looking forward to that episode. So I would encourage you to be studying along, be reading your Bible. Uh, if, if you're not in church, I encourage you to get into a local Bible-believing church. Be there on Sundays and uh, be involved and be active. And I uh, just encourage you to c- continue forward. I'd love to, to hear from some of you. So if you uh, have a moment, feel free to shoot an email over to me at bonefireministries at gmail.com. I'd love to hear where you're listening from. But until next time, uh, I want to encourage you to, to stay strong in God's Word. And uh, we'll meet again next time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, I come before you today, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity uh, that, that we have here on this uh, this media platform that you've given us, God, to just study your word and to, to put uh, your word out into uh, the airwaves, uh, Lord, of the Internet. And uh, I, I just pray, God, that you would use uh, what we're doing here to reach lives, that there would be uh, lives that would be touched all around uh, the world, God, because of the work that's being done right here. God, I pray for those listening right now, God, that you would help them as they uh, seek you diligently, God. I pray, God, that you would help them as they study your word and that you draw them close to you, Lord. And as we've looked at today, God, I pray, Lord, for those who may be guilty, Lord, of, of showing partiality and that they would confess that and get that right and move forward and look at everyone through the eyes of Christ. God, I pray, Lord, for myself and for my listeners, God, that you would give us your eyes, Lord, that we would be able to see what you see and see people the way you see them. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us your heart for those around us, God, that we would love like you love, God. And I just pray, God, that we would be your your missionaries and your ambassadors here uh, working and moving uh, here on this earth, God. Lord, I love you. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the empty tomb and the gift of eternal life, Lord. God, I love you so much, and I just want to thank you and praise your name. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.